You are now listening to Vibe Selection with Kyra, where you can get the real on today's hot topics. Hey, everyone. We start off this week's Black History Month, Black Excellence Edition by spotlighting some prominent Black figures in technology. Well, let's get to know them. Well, in the 80s, Mark Dean, one of IBM's computers leading engineers who was the brains and creator behind the company's ISA bus. The ISA bus, for many of you that don't know, allowed peripheral accessories like printers, disk drives, keyboards to be directly plugged into computers. Mark Dean also created color PC monitors and the first gigahertz chip that's present in every computer and gaming console today. Today, he holds one of IBM's original nine PC patents. Did you know that there was another prominent black figure in technology and she was a woman? Well, let's get to know her. Dr. Shirley Jackson, who was the first African-American woman to receive a PhD in physics and earn a doctorate at MIT. Dr. Shirley Jackson was the brains brains behind many of our communicative technology we use today. While working at AT AT&T Bell Laboratories, she also created the fiber optic cables on fax machines and caller IDs. And that was this week's Black History Month, Black Excellence Edition. Well, welcome, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Vibe Selection. I am your host, Kyra, and on today's episode, I have guest and author and and speaker, Elliot Cax, who wrote the best-selling book, Being the Man That Every Woman Wants, Timeless Wisdom on Being a Man, that has been translated into 24 different languages. I have him here with me today to discuss the top five things men do thinking it makes them good guys, but actually makes women fed up with them. Thank you so much for joining me today, Elliot. It's a pleasure. Great to be here, Kyra. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So you're originally from Canada and you grew up in a two-parent household and was married for a couple of years before you ultimately divorced. So what exactly inspired you to write Being a Man That Every Woman Wants? The book is Being the Strong Man uh, a Woman Wants. And, uh, you know, after I got divorced, at first I blamed the other person. It's a common thing that, that people do. You blame the other person. And then I came to the point of asking myself, what do I have to learn from all this? I don't want to go through through this again. And that really set me up on a journey to learn what does it mean to be a man in a relationship? And I realized a lot of the messages that I was hearing and a lot of other men here, you know, we hear messages about toxic masculinity, about controlling, abuse. I was like, well, I didn't want to be any of those things. I wanted to be a good husband and a good father. And I said, I thought, well, if I just do whatever my wife wants and I'll be a good husband. And I didn't realize how frustrating that is to a woman to leave all the responsibilities on her. So that, that's what led me to, to, you know, I, like I said, I was, I talked to other men. I talked, I read books on relationships. And it's really when I ta- found the teachings that for generations that fathers used to teach younger men, I was really blown away. And I learned the importance of showing my share of leadership, of making my share of decisions, not just saying whatever you want, you decide. And and it really changed my life. My relationships improved. It was just, it was like night and day. I realized, then I realized, like you said, the book has been translated 24 languages around the world. I realized it wasn't just me. It was men all over the world need to learn these things. It doesn't come naturally to a lot of men. So that's why I wrote the book. And that's why my mission is to really share these insights as to help people improve their relationships and save their marriages and avoid 
divorce. Uh, that's why I'm doing this. Okay, so did you find that men you were uh, around were experiencing some of the issues um, that you faced in your previous marriage before you actually wrote the book? Oh, yes, many, many men. It, it, you know, just a lot of men just think, if I just do whatever my wife tells me to do, I come home from work, I ask her what to do, uh, you know, I, and I just do whatever she says, I'm being a good husband. And, and they are being good men, but I say to them, you know, just doing whatever your wife tells you to do, that's like being a nanny. That's not really being a father. You have to show your share of leadership. You have to know what's going on. And it begins on the first date. You know, you can't just, you know, you ask a woman out, you have to be a man with a plan. So a lot of men were, were in that situation. A lot of men thought they were being good husbands. And they said, I, you know, I'm a nice guy. I want to be a nice guy. I let her make the decisions. And you say, yeah, but, you know, you, you, being, you want to be nice, but really you're just shirking your responsibilities. You're leaving all that responsibility on your wife. And uh, she resents it. Exactly. Because ultimately in a marriage, it's a partnership. So it's about being a helpmate, not being someone who's, you know, not going to take accountability or, you know, do their due diligence within the relationship. So. Exactly. Exactly. Because that's that's like the bonus to men. But the unsaid word is like, if I let her make the decisions and we do everything her way, if it goes wrong, well, then you can't blame me <laughs> and I can blame her. Big exactly. mistake. Big mistake. Absolutely. So you wrote an article for the HuffPost.com called Father Knows Best, um, even in 2016, where you compare the 1950s show Father Knows Best as symbolism to represent the importance of a working class father staying involved in their children's upbringing and marriages. So when did you start to see men's roles decline in relationships? So what was the last part of your question? When did I first see men's roles decline in relationships? Oh, you know, I think it's been going on a long time. I think it's been going on like the past three, four, five, even five decades where men, you know, a lot of men today, they grew up without strong male role models. Their father, you know, they're from divorced families or their their fathers worked long hours or for their fathers weren't were just weren't all that involved. And 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 uh, you know, they think, well, that's what they're supposed to do. And the interesting thing about that article you mentioned, see, Father Knows Best was a popular TV show in the 1950s and 1960s. And, but people today talk about that show. They talk about it as if an example of, of what men should not be. <laughs> like, there was nothing to learn. But I point out there were three important lessons to learn from that. How when the father came home, he, and there was a, you know, before he came, there was some situation that arose. When he came home, he, he got involved, he knew, he found out what was going on, and he stepped forward and, and showed his share of leadership. Like, he took the lead on finding a solution to the problem. He didn't just wait for his wife to tell him what to do. He also was very, uh, you know, he didn't, never raised his voice. Even when there was a difficult situation, he was always calm. And uh, I tell him, man, that's really important, because if you blow your stack, people just look at you like a fool. And, uh, you know, if you, you destroy your relationship. and. You don't gain any respect. They they resent you. And the, and the other thing was, he always put his family first. There was one episode where he had an opportunity to go to a Chamber of Commerce meeting where he it would be great for his business or to go hear his daughter read an essay she wrote at school at a, you know, at a, a parent uh, evening. And so he went to see his daughter read this uh, essay because he put his children first. And today, 
in today's world, that might be seen as daddy tracking, but he he knew his priorities and his, he knew his children came first. So there, I think there were three very important lessons to learn from that show. Mm-hmm. And I also seen that in one of the articles you wrote, you made the comparison to um, the show Father Knows Best and the husband's role in a relationship. And then you also compared it to Homer Simpson and how a lot of people see Homer Simpson as being the ideal man in a relationship that kind of where he takes a position of kind of being dumb, if you will say, you know, he, he, every time his kids come to him, he never really knows how to assist them in anything. You know, he just pretty much gets drunk and, you know, sits on the couch all day. So it's great that you made that comparison of someone, even though it's in the 1950s, how it's still relevant to how fathers can be today. So that leads me into my next question, which is, do you feel a man comes from, that comes from a single parent home and raised by a mother that doesn't have any influence of a male figure in the home is less likely to know his role as a man in a relationship? Well, I think it's, it's an interesting question. I think that a woman, a mother can, you know, could talk to her son about, you know, what a man should be, what a father should be, what a husband should be. But it's really important for, because I, I remember this as a as a young man, and you really want to watch older men. You want to wa- learn by watching how they do it. So I think it's important that you know if, if the mother can seek out, you know, like an uncle or a grandparent, grandfather to get involved with her son, or or the son on his own really seeks out, um, you know, like friends that he has, and just sort of become you know can watch a father. And see what a father does. I think that's really how men, like I said, a mother can talk to her son, but it's really helpful if he can watch a father, how he interacts with, with other men, how he interacts with his wife. These are important things to do. So I think a son can go out and seek that, seek that, you know, insight. And it's sort of like what why, why I wrote the book. Like I felt there were things I needed to know. I there were things I needed to know about being a man. So I went out and sought this wisdom, which I found that had been written over the centuries. And 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 and, uh, and, and a young man raised by a single mother can do the same thing and, and, and improve himself. I mean, that's really life's journey is always learning and improving ourselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So um, how does uh, toxic max- masculinity that is passed down affect the perception of, of a man's responsibilities? Well, that, that's, you know, that's uh, toxic masculine passed on. It's, it's very bad if, uh, you know, a young man is growing up in a home where, you know, the, the father's behavior is, is toxic and, and abusive and controlling. And it's, you know, then again, he's got to learn, take the time to learn what is the proper way for a man to be. You know, this whole thing about toxic masculinity, I mean, you know, I, I tell you, I know a lot of men, and I don't know anyone that's toxic. But we, you know, some, there are toxic men out there. It's very sad that, you know, these men are really, you know, they've destroyed their own lives. They destroyed other people's lives, but they destroyed their own lives as well. So I think, like a, a young man that's aware that his father wasn't a good role model, should go out and seek, you know, the learnings and teachings, and much the way I did, and that's why I shared it in this book. Because, like I said, you said it was translated around the world. It's like a lot of men, you know, need to feel feel they need to learn these these insights so they can ha- improve their relationships and you know save their marriages. 
So, okay, how would someone that is going through a situation like this, who's been in a toxic household raised by a toxic father figure, and, you know, they're getting into relationships with other people, and they're kind of having that same behavior, that same toxic behavior within their relationships, what are some outlets that they can do? What are some outlets they can use in order to kind of overcome that? Is it talking to finding a older male figure who is someone that is more so well-established, who's been married for a while and seeking advice from them? Or what are some things someone can do in a situation like that? Well, the first thing is really to become aware of what your behavior is, because sometimes, you know, a man, a young man sort of just mirrors the behavior that he sees and he doesn't even realize that he's doing it. Mm-hmm. So I think you got to realize, first you got to realize what you're doing. And then really, like you say, if you can find a healthy role model, a healthy male role model to learn from, to 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 emulate, uh, that that's the ideal. Or, or as I did, I went searching these this wisdom. You know, some of the things that I learned, it was just like, wow, no one ever told me this. You know, I learned, I learned, I read, was reading one book where it just said, if you want to be a good father and a good husband, you have to be a leader of your family. I said, well, no one ever told, told me that. And the interesting thing is, even when I was married and we went to marriage counseling, the no marriage counselor ever said, you know, Ali, you got to show more your your share of leadership. You can't just do whatever your wife tells you because she's getting frustrated. The interesting thing was, so when my wife would say to me at a, in front of a counselor, oh, you're not doing enough. And I thought, well, what do you mean I'm not doing enough? I'm, I'm washing the dishes. I'm putting the kids to bed. I'm reading them stories. I'm giving them baths. I'm changing diapers. Nonstop, I'm going, how could you say I'm not doing enough? And, to, and no counselor said what she really means is you're, you're just waiting to be told what to do. You're not aware of what's going on. You're not stepping forward and saying, hey, the situation, I think this is a solution. And this is what I'm going to do to solve this problem. You know, you, so many men, they just step back and wait for their wives to tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. So uh, do you feel like some women can perpetuate uh, the cycle of toxic masculinity? Well, it's, I mean, that's an, it's an interesting question. If they're perpetuating it, it's, it's like they're letting it go on. I mean, or if they're letting their sons be toxic. I mean, I think a parent has a responsibility to... Uh, to raise our children to be decent human beings. And sometimes, and this happens in divorce, right? That sometimes a parent doesn't want to come down hard on the on the child because they're afraid all oh, the, you know, the, the child won't want to come see them anymore. But I think you have a duty. Yeah, I think a parent that does that is failing their children. You have a duty to, to raise your child to be a decent human being and that they're being toxic. You have a duty to say, this is not acceptable behavior. And, uh, you know, impose whatever reasonable consequences can change their behavior. Mm -hmm. So, okay, that leads me to this question. So I hear a lot from people that talk about, I know how you mentioned specifically how men a lot of times say, well, I do what my wife tells me to do, but also there are some women who allow men to be childish. So why do you feel some women allow men to be childish and not hold them accountable for their actions, like not doing the chores or making decisions? They kind of just tolerate it. Is it because it's something in our society where women are supposed to make the decisions on the home front and men are pretty much just supposed to be going out and working all day and just kind of coming home with the paycheck and not having to take the responsibility of actually being a father because it's more being a father is more than just financial stability or financial support. Right. Right. 
Well, no, you're absolutely right. That, that's that's a mistake that fathers think that they bring in the money. That's that's good enough. Uh, why do women put up with that? I think they just I think they get frustrated and and give up. And and you see, because men don't realize that they are are needed to show their share of leadership and participate in making decisions and find solutions and step forward and take the lead on dealing with situations. Uh, they just don't know. And I think women, you know, they try, they try and they get frustrated and they, they give up. I mean, I've heard so many women say, you know, I feel like my husband is a child. You know, I always have to tell him what to do. And, and that's how it feels. When he, I always have to tell him what to do. It makes me feel like he's a child and I'm his mother. And, and, and they just give up. <laughs> they try and they give up. And that's why I'm trying to educate men in the world to, to, to fulfill their true role as, as fathers and husbands. And, uh, you know, ultimately it'll improve their relationship because, you know, the women just resent men like that and, you know, it could lead divorce as, you know, as they lose more and more respect for them. So that, that's the goal is like teach men how to be fathers and husbands, how they will improve their relationship and, uh, you know, save their marriage. Mm-hmm. So I know I talked a little bit about, you know, single parent homes and being raised by, you know, a, a, a man being raised by a single mother and kind of his perception of what his role is in a relationship. But do you feel that if a person has an active, if a male has an active father figure in their lives, that they'll be re- more receptive to their spouse's needs in a relationship? Uh, it's a good question. I mean, you know, it's it's a very... <laughs> It's hard to be predict what will happen in every situation. Obviously, if a, a, a son grows up in a, a, a in a home where you have two parents who have a, a successful marriage, and and the father is a good role model, it's uh, more likely he will have a successful marriage himself, right? You often say people marry people who uh, are like their parents, right? They uh, a man marries a woman like his mother. <laughs> a daughter marries a man like her father. It's uh, so that's really important to be a role model for your children of how to have a good marriage. It's they're learning from you. Um, so it it, it uh, obviously that helps, but it doesn't mean that if you grow up with a single parent that you will have a unsuccessful marriage. It's just you have to make a conscious effort to learn and to think about what. What does my spouse need to hear? What does my spouse need from me? How how can I be a good husband? What you know? What do I need to learn? Uh, you know that it's uh, and and just do it. It's uh, yeah, and it's possible. Yeah, I think it's all about the role that, you know, the parent plays within the relationship and in their child's lives, because you can be in a two parent home and, you know, the two people that are in the marriage cannot get along with each other. And then, you know, the kids are seeing that. And so they emulate whatever they're seeing from the relationship that their parents have. And sometimes they can take that to the relationships that they start to build. So even with that said, it's all about having having healthy role models so that they can be able to emulate that behavior in order to, you know, apply that to their relationships. So. Right. Right. What you're saying is absolutely true. It's, it's absolutely best to have healthy role models, but, but if you, if you, if you didn't, and it's, there's a lot of, you know, things, ways to learn how to have a healthy uh, relationship. And that, like I said, that's one of the reasons I wrote this book is really to help men who feel they need to learn things to 
that that to have a successful relationship and uh, you know not end up divorced, but to you know improve their relationship and save their marriage. It's, it's I mean, yes, like I said, a good role model for parents is excellent, but there are other ways to learn as well. That, like I said, that's why I wrote this book. So, um, if there is a balance within the relationship, do you feel that gender roles are necessary? You know, the, the, the um, gender roles has kind of like become a, uh, a loaded, <laughs> a loaded word. It, it's it's kind of has it has taken on a negative connotations like we're imposing uh, a certain uh, behavior. If you're a man or or you're a woman, you should behave this way. You should behave that way. I I don't I think just I think men and women are different. I think it's important for a man to learn uh, what a woman needs from him. And and she's not one of the boys. She's not one of your male friends. She's very different. And what does she need from you? Like one thing I tell men, I said, you know, your wife would appreciate a compliment from you every day. Like how often do you need a compliment from your wife? Once a month, once every two months? But a woman, she, you know, every day, tell her something that you appreciate about her something that she's done, compliment how she looks. Every day, give her a compliment, you know, because uh, that's what a woman needs. So it's not about role, you know, role, role uh, you know, being a, what your role, the requirement of your role is. So, it's, it's, you know, you want to make your spouse happy. Think about what they need from you to, 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 to feel happy, to feel special, right? I mean, one of the things I talk about is uh, who should pay on the first date? So a lot of men think, well, I'm going to show her I believe in equality. You know, we'll, we'll split the bill. Or else even, you know, I, I know this one woman was telling me she met a guy on a dating app. They went out for dinner and came the bill and she offered to pay. And he let her pay. And she said, well, I can't understand why I won't go out with him again. He said, I, because, and I know he was probably thinking... You know, I'm I'm showing her. I believe in equality. She wants to pay. I'll let her pay. <laughs> I'm sure I believe in equality. But for, for for her, it's like, well, she was just testing him to see is he going to insist on paying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he failed the test. But it's like, so think, what does she need to feel? You know, you take a woman out on a date. You want her to feel special, so pay for her. That's what I tell him. Just pay for her. Even if she offers to pay, just say, just say, no. It's my pleasure to pay for you. I pay it. You know, if she's offering, she's testing you to see if you're going to insist on paying. <laughs> Just pay. But a lot of guys say, oh, no. Well, maybe she should pay. If she makes more money than I do, maybe uh-huh. she should pay. <laughs> <laughs> These societal norms, I tell you. Well, okay, that brings me to another good question that I've been hearing from, from a lot of people in regards to paying on the first, or who should pay for the first date. Now, I've run across a lot of people as well who feel like, well, you know, it's gender equality. Um, we should both pay for our own meals on a first date or the first couple of dates, or we should be 50-50 in this relationship overall. So, okay, who should pay really on the first date? Because I, I've heard from people, well, whoever asks the person out should be the one to actually pay. So if a male asks the female out, the male should pay because he asks the female out. Or if the woman is asking the male out on the date, then she should pay. So do you feel like whoever asks someone out first should be the one that pays? Or should it just be the man paying for the date in general? Well, yeah, I've, I've had this question lots of times. So my view is even if the woman asks the man out, he should pay. Because it's not about who asks the other person out. 
It's about if you like this woman, you want to make her feel special. So pay for her. It makes her feel special. You know, even if you're going out, to, you're going to Starbucks for a cup of tea. It's a few dollars. Pay for it. Pay for it because it, it makes her feel special. You know, it's, and it's just like I say, when you're asking a woman out, be a man with a plan. Don't, if she asks her, I want to go out Saturday night? And she says, yes, what do you have in mind? And she, he said, I don't know. What do you want? <laughs> you know, you might, I'm showing her I'm non-controlling, but like to her, you're showing you can't make a decision. And it makes her feel special that, that you took the time to think, well, what would we both enjoy doing? What time does it start? I'll come pick you up an hour before. We'll go there. It makes her feel special. So really, the man should just pay because if, if you wanted to feel special, if you don't like her. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I had a, a, a many years ago, I went with a woman I and um, I took her to a movie. We got to a ticket booth. She took out her wallet. I took out mine. I bought two tickets. Then she... And she's wanted to give me the money. I said, no, no, it's okay. It's fine. No, she again, she insisted. I said, no. And so she went back to the ticket booth, got exact change <laughs> and forced me to take it. I said, okay, I, you know, I don't want the scene to continue. Let's go. So I went over there for a little while. And after that, I just let her pay for herself. She was so insistent. Mm. And then she said to me, well, you never pay for me. Like, what are you talking about? You were so insistent. Just, mm. well, you could have tried again. <laughs> Oh my gosh, she's giving you a hard time. But you know, all along she just wanted to, you know, fight for you to fight for your love, I guess, huh? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. But that first time, I mean, you know, she went back and got exact change that so she gave to me. So oh. but I said I tell me just just pay for it the first date. And uh, you know, it's nice. I mean, it just depends. You know, you a man wants to feel the woman is also contributing. So if you invite them over for dinner, you know, single guys really like it. If a woman invites them over for a home cooked meal, mm-hmm. like to show that you're also a giver. And, and, and but, uh, you know, but especially for the first day, just pay for it. Show, be a gentleman and show, show, you're making her feel special. Absolutely. I agree with that. I can remember there was one date I had went on and um, towards the end, well, he insisted on going on this date. We went and towards the end when the bill had came, I had tested him by reaching into my pocketbook, you know, to see what his reaction would be. And he was actually going to let me pay. So I was like, okay, so he thinks I'm going to pay for this date. So just because just because he did that, I'm going to make him pay for this date in which he did. You know, but I totally agree. <laughs> it was a test. <laughs> yeah, it's a test. And, and, and just just pay for her, really. Really, it's uh, it's it's really, it, it makes her feel special, really. And that's the, see, what's all the advice you, I, I hear, no one says like, hey, you know what? what? If you like a woman, make her feel special. Bring her flowers. You know? <laughs> I love you that. Know? Even if it's Valentine's Day, it's a week before Valentine's Day, and she says to you, oh, don't buy me flowers for Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Make sure you buy flowers for Valentine's yeah. Day. Sure, you love her. Just, I wanted to feel special. So, mm-hmm. uh, so buy her flowers. It's, uh, you, you know, it's interesting because dating nowadays is so different from my mother's generation and my grandmother's generation. And a lot of these old school values are not with 
you know, uphold it to these days because a lot of people feel like, oh, you know, that's what people did in my grandmother's days. You know, I opened the woman's car door. She can open her car door, you know, or something as simple as paying for the date or, you know, giving flowers on the first date or, you know, coming to the door to actually get the girl, you know, get the person that you're going on the date with. You know, the, the respect really honestly is not there anymore. And I feel like those were great qualities and great traits to have. There's not a lot of gentlemen anymore. It's all about every every person for themselves, I feel like. Right, right. So, you know, you raise the example, open the car door. So, you know, men will, will, won't open the car door because they're afraid the woman's going to say, what, you think I can't open the car door myself? Well, I can tell <laughs> you, I, I always open the car door for a woman because I want her to feel special. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know, she's being a guest in my car. I want her to feel special. And and it's you know it, and it's it's very sad because that's really sort of what I was talking about all along. All these ideas that and, uh, that have been taught to men over the centuries, really. In this generation, we've tossed them all aside. You know, no one's going to tell me. You know, we, I feel like we're, we're imposing these ideas, and and yet, and yet, and yet that you know we look at relationships today, and they don't seem to be lasting very long. There's a high divorce rate. There's, you know, mm-hmm. people are just going from relationship to relationship. So, hey, maybe like there's some wisdom we can learn from the past. And that's really what my book is about. Like, you know, here I was divorced, you know, really following all the ideas that I heard in the media and all I heard from all everywhere. And it wasn't working. So I said, well, you know, people have been getting involved with each other for like thousands of years. Is there some wisdom from the past that I could learn that would help me that I should have known? And that's really what I put together in this book is like every time I read something, I said, gee, I wish I had known this when I was married. Maybe things would have been different. That's what I put in the book. So that's what I tell men, read the book. It's all the things, you'll read it. I should have done this, I should have known this. And you'll see it, it, it can improve your relationship. You know, men who are divorced, maybe if I had read this when I was married, we wouldn't be divorced today. I've had divorced women say that, say that my husband had understood this, our marriage would not have disintegrated. So, it, and, I, and yet those husbands, that woman's husband, I'm sure he thought he was a good guy. He was trying his best. And he, you know, he wasn't toxic, he wasn't abusive, but it's just being, you know, stepping back instead of stepping forward when a situation needed him to show his share of leadership. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these, you know, values that were upheld in the past from my grandmother and my mother's days, you know, these marriages and these relationships lasted to the test of time. I mean, a lot of people that I've known that were dating back then have been married for 30, 40, 50, 60 years, where like you said, the divorce rate nowadays is extremely high because people also are getting into relationships with people and not actually taking the time to get to know them either. You know, it's all about, okay, well, I want a relationship, but then I've also come across a lot of people that really don't know what they want in a relationship and they're really just looking to have fun. So you know, right. I, I think a lot of these values, like you said, this timeless wisdom that was passed down, you know, it can it it, it still resonate. It should still resonate in relationships today. But unfortunately, uh, that's not the case. <laughs> no, you're right. And, 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 and the sad thing is people don't realize really human. You know, people think, well, people are different today, but they're, they're not. Human nature hasn't changed. Uh, people are the same. That's one of the things I realized when the book was translated in 24 languages, all, like all over the world. I thought, you know, that it, it, cultures can be different, but human nature hasn't changed. You know, the book was translated in, in Brazil, where the whole image of machismo originated, and in Japan, where I think every man has a geisha. And, and you know, 
and, and in Eastern Europe where you think traditional values still still exist. No, you know, human nature hasn't changed. Men still need to learn these things because it doesn't come naturally to a lot of a lot of men. And, and women still want a, a man who makes them feel special, a man who's strong, a man who makes them feel protected, a man who's a, a tower of strength, a man who's a rock they can lean on. Not this like, oh, what should I do? What should I do? Tell them. Mm-hmm. It's it, you know it's interesting thing is I I meet women you know who are like in their fifties never married successful attractive women and they say I can't find a decent guy I can't find a man every man just wants someone you know who's who they they they'll say to me I want a man who's a the rock that I can lean on not some guy who's weak and sensitive and always like tell you know the, they 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 want somebody who's strong. I remember one woman who had her own business. She said to me, "You know, when I'm when I'm at work, I'm I'm I, I'm you know I'm in, I'm strong. I'm 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 in the boss. I'm the boss. But I'm with a man. I want to feel like a woman. I want him to take charge. And it's not about somebody controlling. It's about not somebody who always has to be told what to do. Like you know, people say, well, you know, today's today's women are very strong. And I say, yeah. So today's strong woman wants a strong man. She doesn't want somebody who's like her." Her servants, you know. Mm-hmm. She wants a man, not a puppy. Exactly. <laughs> so, okay, what are the top five things men do, thinking it makes them good guys, but actually makes women fed up with them, and why? Okay, so the top five. Number five, not being a man with a plan. This is what we talked about. When he asks a woman out and can't even choose a place to go for a cup of coffee, she wonders how he'd handle the challenges of marriage and family life. So when you ask a woman out and and, and you're in your relationship with a woman, be a man with a plan. Number four, which we just discussed, expecting her to split the bill on the first date. Splitting the bill is not the way to show you believe in gender equality. If she offers to pay, she may be testing you to see if you'll insist on paying and just pay because it makes her feel special. Number three, always saying whatever you want, you decide. Well, there's a decision to be made, and he always says, whatever you want, you decide. He may think he's showing he's a non-controlling nice guy, but to a woman, he's leaving responsibility for making decisions on her. Show You show her you can, you're able to make a decision. Mm-hmm. Number two, but she always has to tell him what to do. When she, Again, he may think he's showing he's a nice guy just by always doing whatever she tells him to do. But if she always has to tell him what to do, it makes her feel like he's a child and she's his mother and she doesn't want to be his mother. <laughs> and she doesn't want, especially she doesn't want to have it, be intimate with a, with a child. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know, exactly. It's a little so, creepy. I, I mean, and number one, not standing up to her when she treats him badly. Mm. You know, he may think he's also being a nice guy, laughing off if some put down or criticism or insult. But if he always accepts bad treatment, she loses respect for him. And if he can't stand up to her, to her, how will he stand up for her? And you know, in a challenging situation, so the man has to calmly set boundaries on how he will be treated. Mm-hmm. So, okay, do these same? Do you feel like these same rules that you just listed—the five things men do, thinking it makes them good guys, but actually makes women fed up with them—can be applied to dating as well? Should these rules be established when dating somebody, or when you're just in a relationship? Oh, absolutely! You got to establish them when you're dating. That—that's uh, you got to start establishing right from the start. You got to be a man with a plan. You got to 
You know, don't always ask you to make, you know, you're always asking you to make the decisions. You always say whatever you want, you decide or you, or you let her put you down and treat you badly. You're not going to get into a relationship. But if you are in a relationship and you're letting this go on, it's not good. It's not good. It's, it's just, you know, the more she loses respect for you, the, you know, the more that it's a slippery slope she, before long, you know, she's just going to want out of the relationship or, or divorce you from the marriage. It's uh these are really very important things. Mm-hmm. And I also think that there are things that can be worked on over time as well. But I also feel like there's so many people nowadays where they're, they don't really want to work on things. They say, okay, we're going to work on it. You know, we're going to work on these issues. But a lot of people are just eager to more so run to the door these days and just get a divorce, you know? So. Right, right. So the important thing is I point out in the book and I, and I point out whatever I speak is, you know, often when people think we're going to work on the relationship, it's really, well, I'm going to get the other person to change. Mm-hmm. You know, and like they go to marriage counselors and what the goal is telling, tell, to tell the counselor to tell my spouse to change. Well, that doesn't really work very often. It's really about looking at yourself. All the situations in your relationship are really a mirror telling you how you have to change. So it's really like the things I was saying here. She's She loses respect for you because you... Uh, you let her treat you badly. Well, you've got to change yourself. You've got you. Know, you could say she's got to stop doing that. That that might work. Probably not. But the main thing is, you've got to change your you, the way you handle yourself. You've got to change yourself, and 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 just carry yourself in a way that that's just not acceptable. It's like you know if you you, you know it's like one situation where people have kids like a, a person will criticize the other parent in front of the kids. So you just say, you know, if you want to, if you disagree with what I want to do, I welcome your comments, but not in front of the children. Or or she criticizes in front of your friends, like not in front of other people. We can discuss it in private. That shows that you have like some self-worth, some self-esteem. You're standing up to her and, and say, hey, this is a line you don't cross. And, and really, and all these things are really good things because that's really the benefit of marriage is like really looking at yourself and saying, how do I have to grow and what do I have to learn how do I have to be different to really to get the response from my spouse that I want? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, okay. I want to get on to dating a little bit. So what are some tips you would give someone who is a single parent and they're kind of, you know, looking to get that, get out there and date again? Okay. That's a good question. Okay. So and, and that's, there's a lot of divorced people dating, right. Who are single mm-hmm. parents or, or not. And the first rule is, uh, don't badmouth your ex-spouse. Mm, number <laughs> one rule, yes. Don't say bad thing because it's really what I was just telling you. That person, if you're still badmouthing your spouse. You haven't learned uh, uh, what you had to learn from the experience. You know, a person who's divorced, really, they're not really ready to date until they really looked at themselves and said, well, yeah, I can blame my spouse, but what did I have to learn from this? What did I have to do differently? And when you're ready to do that, you can present yourself and say, I'm ready for a new and better relationship because I learned what I did wrong in my marriage. You can say, yeah, my spouse was this or that, whatever, doesn't matter. So don't badmouth your ex-spouse because that person probably has an ex-spouse who's badmouthing him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so he doesn't need more of it. He doesn't, And really, nobody wants to hear it. It's really a downer. Mm-hmm. So rule number one, don't, um, don't badmouth your ex-spouse. Another thing is, um, you know, if the person, if the person you're dating has, has uh, children, uh, sometimes 
you know, that it can be jealousy that, you know, he's spending a lot of time with his children or you resent the attention, he pays so much attention to his children. So that's an issue, but maybe it's, you know, it, it, maybe it's not meant to be, because really what is a, you know, let's say the divorced father, what is he looking for? He's looking for someone who's gonna help him. Like, he, you know, it's a, it's a challenge to be a single dad. So if a woman shows that, hey, you know, I, I can help you in a way that he, he, she's supportive to what he's trying to do with his children, that's, that's a really positive thing. Another thing is, uh, you know, try to be self-supporting like financially, because, you know, divorced father, you know, he has, you know, may have spouse support, he has child support. He, he may not be looking for another uh, dependent. <laughs> so try to show, try to be as self-supporting as you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, okay. Now, I've experienced this a few times in my life where I've come across a guy who seems like they're interested in me, but they haven't took the first step to actually, you know, try to court me. So do you feel that men are just afraid as women to approach them when they're interested in them? Because I know I can get a little afraid sometimes approach men because I'm like, oh, what are they thinking? You know, are they really into me? So many questions run through people's minds. But I'm also very curious to know, are men afraid? Because usually it's the man who kind of has to take the, the initiative to approach the woman. Right, right. So often men are and are uh, shy or they feel awkward. So it, it's a good it's a good question. So I think there's a balance. So a, man, a woman can show interest, you know, she can talk to the man, she could, you know, flirt with him a little bit, show that she's interested, show that she likes him, but but don't pursue him because a man wants to feel, he wants to feel that, you know, this woman is really amazing and she's really too good for me, but somehow I got her. So if you pursue her, if, if she pursues him, it's gonna like, Men, men don't like it. Men like to be the pursuer, but it's good to show interest, to you know, to uh, you know, flirt with him, to make him feel like you show him that you're interested in his life and him. Yeah, it's it's just a balance, you know. It, it, you know, I'll tell you, I I uh, when I was newly single, I met this woman at an event, and I, I was really impressed with her, and I thought, uh, gee, I wonder if she'd go out with me, mm-hmm. and uh, so we exchanged phone numbers, and I called her, and we went out for a while. And at one point she said to me, if you hadn't called me, I was going to call you. Oh. And I said, well, I'm glad you didn't. <laughs> I want to burst my bubble. It's like, here I thought, whoa, this woman, so, like, she's so wonderful. I, I really better clean up my act so I can be good enough for her. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, man needs to feel, I pursued her and I, and I got her. Mm-hmm. But it's also great, though, because, you know, for so long, women are kind of taught to just sit there and wait for someone to approach them. So I do also feel like if a woman is interested in somebody and a man could be, you know, they might be afraid to approach that person, then I do feel like there isn't anything wrong with the woman approaching them. And then when it comes to calling someone that they're interested in, they after they exchange numbers or whatever, not waiting too long to call. Like if it if the woman is interested and she wants to call first, I do feel like, hey, yeah, why not? You know, you never know. Like, you you know, that per- you could be on that person's mind and maybe they're a little busy and they can't get to you right away. And then you give them that call. It's like, wow, you know, she really is interested in me as well, because that person, the man can have the same self-doubts that the women have as well. And right, right. I think that's something important for a lot of people to understand as well, is that, you know, 
we're even though we're different genders, we all sometimes we all have the same emotions. We all a lot of times have the same thoughts when it comes to especially dating. You want to feel like someone is interested in you and cares, you know. So right, right. No, I think I think I think what you're saying is, is good. I I just think you just got to have in your mind there's a line between like actively pursuing him and showing interest and like you know and flirting and like showing that you're interested in him. But he's, he's still got to like, he's, he's still got to feel like, you know, he, he's also pursuing you. He, like, mm-hmm. Should go both it, ways. It's good, to show, it's good to show interest. Absolutely. That's fine. You know, this this woman that I was just telling you about, like, I remember she started talking to me. And, I, you know, I as I got to know her, I said, wow. I, I, so that was fine that she came. I'm glad she did that. But um but it's just be careful not to feel like you know he's being pursued. He he, he wants to be he men like to be the pursuer. Mm, okay. So uh, should you date someone that you consider a friend, or should friends stay in the friend zone? Well, that's a great question. I think yeah. I I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, dating friends. I know a couple. They were friends for a long time. Then they start dating. Then they got married, and now they've been married, gee, 20, 20 years at least, maybe wow. more than 20 years. So it, it's fine. I mean, it, in a sense, you know, dating a friend, you actually know the person uh, better than, than you were just dating. Because, you know, dating people put on their best. <laughs> but, their best. but when, you, when you're sort of a friend, you know, I, I know another couple. They grew up like two house, two or three houses away from each other. They grew up together, and then they started dating, and they got there. Also, been married for many years. They like they really knew each other, and their families knew each other. It's really, it's it's a nice thing to really know this person really well, and then feel hey hey this this is the person for me. Mm-hmm. Now, sex. Do you feel like <clears throat> sex on the first date is okay, or? should someone wait a while to get sexually involved with someone else? Because I will say, especially nowadays when it comes to dating, I find that there's a lot of women who pretty much give their all to someone before actually being in a relationship, meaning they're having sex with the person, they're hanging around their friends, um, they're meeting the mom, they're meeting the dad, they're doing everything that involves a relationship. And when it gets time, well, when they're dating for a couple of months and then it's kind of time to, you know, move things forward, a lot of times men in particular will kind of say, well, you know, I don't know if I'm ready yet. And it's kind of like, well, why not? We're doing everything that involves a relationship so, you know, why shouldn't we move things forward? So do you feel like sex sometimes overshadows, you know, someone being able to build that bond and connection with them? Because I personally will say that I feel like when you do start having sex with someone too early, it does overshadow everything that everything else that's going on when it comes to dating and getting to know them. I think you're absolutely right. I think, uh, you know, sex uh, clouds a person's judgment. <laughs> Mm-hmm. They, you know, they may think I really like this person, but really, what maybe what you like is having sex with them because you haven't really gotten to know them very well. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I think I think it's very important to uh, get to know the person as much as possible. You know, I, I you know I think uh, you know the people who are divorced that I know, no one says, "Well, our sex life was terrible." 
people say, well, you know, I, she's this, I didn't really know this about her there. You know, I didn't really get to know her well enough before we got married. I've, I've heard that. So get to know the person well enough. Really. That's, that's really important. Don't let sex cloud your judgment. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, it's really, uh, it doesn't hurt to wait. Believe me, you, it, won't, it won't kill you. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you can save yourself a lot of heartache, you know, if you don't, you know, go head, dive head first into the situation. No pun intended. So <laughs> you also wrote an article on why people shouldn't wait too long to introduce um, their kids to someone. And a lot of people kind of having that six month rule uh, where they're waiting to introduce their kids. So why do you right. feel people shouldn't wait that long? And when's a good period of time to actually introduce your children to someone that you're dating? Well, I, I think, uh, well, I think you, you, sh- you should introduce your kids when you feel that this person is a potential future partner. I think six months is too long because what can happen is, uh, you know, so after you've been together six months, you feel, well, I've, I've committed six months to this relationship. And, and then you introduce your kids, then they may feel... Yeah, and there's there's a problem. Like like I I have a friend who did that. He waited six months. He has four kids. They live with him. He inter- waited six months to introduce this woman he really liked, and like two days later, she broke it off with him. And he asked me, "Well, what happened? Nothing happened. Why did she break it off?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, you know, she probably saw the attention that you gave your kids as a threat, taking attention away from her." And he said he never heard of that. And I said, well, you better hear of it because it happens. And and then like a few hours later, she told him, yeah, that, that she felt that all the attention that he gave his kids would be a problem. And, you know, these kind of things. And they're real. These are real things. I know another woman. She told me, you know, her, her mother passed away. Uh, her Her father remarried. And this new wife also resented the attention <laughs> that he paid to his... Uh, his, his children, children and grandchildren. And after that, uh, she didn't see her father again. Like the, the new wife didn't want him to see his children, grandchildren, that she, she saw this as jealousy. So wow. just, just play it safe. I mean, I, I could tell you more stories. Like, uh, it's very common. Uh, so just play it safe. Like, see, you know, you see right up front, you know, after like a couple of weeks, a month, if you feel, I like this person a lot, I see them as a potential future partner. And introduce your kids and see what happens. Like, is, is she fine with, you know, uh, a lot of women are happy to help uh, a man with his kids. They, you know, they, they're, they're enthusiastic about it. They go out of their way to help them. So that's good. But if she's someone who uh, sees them as a threat, you know, like she's jealous and she, you know, there's lots of stories about wicked stepmothers who are just so jealous. Uh, it becomes a, it becomes a difficult situation. So that's why I, I can tell you another story. I know as I've actually met some of the people involved in this. This man, he was married. His wife, he had a son. His wife died. She got remarried. This new wife was resenting this kid. He was like a toddler. And so, you know, there's no ex-wife. So she said, well, give him up for adoption. And, and it's just fortunate that his wife, his sister and her husband said, give him to us. We'll raise him. And uh, so, yeah, it's just, just uh, you know, and, and I mean, I've been using example. I'm a man, so I, you know, I, I know examples of, of women, you know, being jealous. But it works the other way too. Like a man will say, you know, I, I resent all the attention you pay to your your child. 
you know, I just, and, and then they said, well, how do I fix this? I said, you know what? If he's telling you right up front, this isn't meant to be. You want someone who's enthusiastic about it. Says, hey, you have a great son. I, I want to, you know, be involved in helping raise him. It's, that's, that's what you want. So, mm-hmm. so that my point is do it early so you can find out what the reality of the situation is and not feel you invested six months and then think, well, we'll work it out. It's a, Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, it's unfortunate that w- that there are people out there who would actually be jealous of a child, especially a woman, you know. But like you said, introducing that person to them a little early on, the guy is able to see, OK, well, what is this woman really about? If she is acting one, if she's acting like this with my kids right now and this is before we get in a relationship, you know, how is she going to act when we're actually in a relationship? But then there is also some men who will play along with that. And regardless of what their kids think, they'll make excuses. Oh, you guys don't understand or, you know, whatever people say sometimes make to make excuses about it and then continue on the relationship with the person. And then they're one, two years down the line. They're married to the person and it's kind of like you're stuck with them and they're the stepmother from hell. You know, so right, right, that's, right. that's definitely that's very interesting that you you're that you said that. But I, I definitely would totally agree with that. It is kind of better to start off a little earlier. But in regards to someone that's dating multiple women at once, do you still think it's a good idea for them to introduce their children to all of the women that they're dating or men? <laughs> or should that should should you kind of be a little bit more like uh selective about it should you kind of like be like oh well i feel like this relationship is going a little further so let me introduce you know my kids to this woman who i actually see a future with right it's it's, it's a ladder it's uh, when he when he's found a person i i feel this person is a potential future partner uh that that's the time not like when you're dating five different women at once <laughs> Mm-hmm. And you bring them all through to meet your kids. That that's not good for the kids. That's getting too, too much. But exactly. you decide this woman. I like this woman. I see this as a potential uh, future partner. Like introduce her to your kids and see and see what happens. You know, it's. Uh, mm-hmm. So in the first chapter of the book titled "If You Don't Lead, I Can't Dance," that touches on a um, on how men how a man can lead without being controlling. So. Why do you feel that their role in their role in a relationship is sometimes men's roles in relationship is about control and women's relationship in the role is them being submissive and docile? Why do you feel like when it comes to relationships, a lot of men can be controlling? Okay, well, okay, so, you know, as I explained in the book, leadership and controlling are really two different things. Mm-hmm. Someone who's a leader is uh, someone who has confidence, who's thinking about the greater good of his family. And that, that's being a leader. And, and it's hard work. Someone who's controlling is often just thinking about themselves and, and what they want for themselves. So, so, you know, I don't think men today want to be controlling or good men don't want to be controlling. They don't want a submissive wife who just does whatever they say. But, but really, it's about being control, being showing leadership, showing your share of leadership in a situation. In, in, in that chapter you refer to, you know, if you don't lead, I can't dance. It's, it's like a dance. You know, people say, oh, mar- marriage is like a dance. One person steps forward, the other steps back. But 
it says, well, it's like a dance another way. You know, when the man is leading in the dance, the dance works. But if he's not leading, it doesn't work. So he's not controlling the woman. He's leading the woman in a dance. When they're dancing a waltz, he's leading. He's not controlling. He's leading. Exactly. So um, in today's society, in regards to relationships, many feel like balance is important to, you know, be in a successful relationship. So what does balance look like in a relationship? Okay, so balance. I talk about balance in the book, and it's, you know, there's, it's really, okay, so it's about what we were talking about just before. So on one hand, you have a man who's controlling, who never listens to his wife. That's not good. That guy should learn to listen to his wife. She's an intelligent person. Hear what she has to say. Mm -hmm. And on the other extreme, there's a man who just automatically does whatever his wife tells him, which is not healthy either. So a balance is really in the middle. That, That, you know, the... There's some things a woman should decide, some things a man should decide, some things they decide together. It's a balance. It's it's neither extreme. So that that's I talk about a balance. That's really what what uh, is healthiest, I think. Mm-hmm. So you also had a passage from the uh, bottom of the Talmud where it says, "If the man is worthy, the woman will be his helper, and if he is not worthy, she will be against him." And then you also had a passage from uh, Genesis two verse eighteen where it says, um, "A helper opposing him, or a helper, oh excuse me, a helper opposing him, or a helper against him." Genesis right. two verse eighteen. So, right. what did you mean by those quotes, and what does it mean? What makes for a successful relationship? I know that okay. you reference Adam and Eve in that in the Garden of Eden. So. Right, right. So, so the, okay, that's, that's a great question. So, just let the, let you know that the the book is not a religious book. It's just I think there there are the lesson of Adam and Eve is so powerful that there's a lot men can learn from it. So it says Genesis two eighteen basically says that. God created Eve to be a helper opposing him or helper against him. And then the Talmud comments on us, what does this mean? Like, what does it mean, a man, a helper against him? What kind of helper is that? It says, if the man is worthy, the woman will be his helper. And if he's not worthy, she'll be against him. And I have to tell you, when I read that, it was like a kick in the head. It was like, it just so blew me away. Because so, really what it's saying is it's up to, you know, you up to you as a man. To be worthy, you want your wife to be your partner, to be your helper. You've got to be worthy. She's got to see you as worthy of being of being a helper too. So if you're just someone who says whatever you want, you decide. She won't see you as worthy of being your helper. But if you show your share of leadership, if you make your share of decisions, she will see. Yeah, this is a man who's worthy, and I want to be his helper. It's like any kind of leadership. If you any kind of leader, if you see a leader who's like. I like his ideas. I like the way he does things. I want to be part of achieving his goals. That then that's that's what it's the same thing. You will be a helper to that person to help that person achieve their goals. But if they see you as someone who's hopelessly lost, hasn't got a clue, always saying whatever you want, you decide. She will not see you as a leader. She will not see you as worthy of of being a helper to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, that, that one sentence, and I, when I speak, I often say that one sentence changed my whole life. <laughs> it changed my whole way of looking at relationships. You know, that's such a that is such a great uh, quote that you had because a lot of people, when they think of Adam and Eve, I hear a lot of ha- people have a lot of con- negative connotations behind that whole you know story, in which they'll say, "Well, you know, women are no good. Look at how." 
you know, Eve persuaded Adam to take the apple, you know, but how you also made the example of, but Adam had the opportunity, he had the ability to say no, even in that situation. And when God asked him, Adam, did you eat the, you know, the apple? And he's like, well, Eve made me do it. And then Adam and Eve both got punished for that. So it goes to show, like you said, that Adam had the ability to say no. And in any situation in a relationship, you are accountable ultimately for yourself as well. You can't place the blame all on one person. You have to hold accountability for your actions as well. So you're absolutely right. And I'll tell you, Kyra, that story was the second big kick in the head for me, because (laughs) as you said, when God asked him, did you eat the fruit of the tree of knowledge I commanded not to eat? Does he take responsibility and say, I did it. I made a mistake. No. He says, the woman you sent me gave it to me and I ate it. And I said, wow, this, you know, this story is like 5,000 years old. Like he, he gave it to something he knew was wrong and then he blamed his wife. I know tons of men today who do that. Mm-hmm. I did it. I admit it. I did it too. <laughs> gave it to something that was wrong. I said, that is such an important lesson. That is like big lesson number two was that it's like, if something is wrong, don't give in and think, well, I'll just blame her when it goes wrong. Uh, no, it's, you got to be the man and say, well, no, we're not doing that because it's wrong. And Adam knew it was wrong. So, mm-hmm. so today when men are in situations and their wives want to do something that they know is wrong, I said, no, we're, and like, it doesn't matter if she cries or whatever. She screams at you like, like Eve screamed at Adam. doesn't matter. It's wrong. You can't give in because it's wrong and it's going to destroy you know, it could be something that can destroy your life, destroy your, your marriage, destroy your financial stability. You can't give in. You can't give it and then say, oh, I'll just blame her when it goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, can't do it. It's hard. It's hard. It's easier just to give in and blame like Adam did. But no, you, you want to be a good man. You got to say, no, we can't do this. It's wrong. Absolutely. And I love how you sum that up. It is, you know, perfect because like I said, a lot of people have, you know, a lot of negative connotations behind it and always think that everything is a woman's fault and she's responsible for the man's demise, you know, in life. So yeah, that's, that's a perfect summary for that. So it's like you you say, you know, you can blame the woman, but what's the man, you know, I hear men complain that they're victims of their wives or their ex-wives. Like, (laughs) What did you? Well, yeah, but what was your part in this? Like you were exactly. victim. I felt the same. I, like, I'm lying there, sitting there, like I'm a victim of her. I remember the first when I first separated from my wife. I got together with this fellow I knew, who had also recently separated. And it's like you know we were in the same situations. Like we were, we could finish each other's sentences. And then, you know, as we were wallowing in our victimhood, he said that his wife had run up fifty thousand dollars on the credit cards, and I thought, well, how could you let that go on? you have children and then i realized well how could he let that go on how could i let go on the things that i did let go on so it's like you know nobody wants and nobody has any sympathy for men who who say they're victims of wives like you're the man you let it go on you should have been man enough to say we can't do this we can't afford this we can't do this you you can't just give it and and then blame her yep a lot of victimizing behavior So is financial stability important in a relationship or should both parties in a relationship be self-sufficient? And do you also think that, you know, it's okay for someone to be, for a woman to be a stay-at-home mother as opposed to working? Because I feel like it's not as common anymore in today's society, but I know there are some people that feel like, you know, I'm a woman, I shouldn't have to, 
you know, I should only, my responsibility should just solely be to take care of the kids while my husband's out working. And certain people are okay with that. But do you feel like ultimately in a partnership that financial stability should be amongst both parties? Well, financial stability is very important because, uh, you know, when there's financial stress, it could bring out problems that wouldn't have otherwise have arisen. And and I've seen that and it happens all the time. It's uh, people get in over their heads, they buy more house than they can afford. And the stress just wears down the marriage. So it's important to be financially stable, uh, very important. Uh, whether a woman should work, I think, you know, uh, you know, there's no reason like it's good. It's, it's good for a child if when, the, you know, first couple of years of a child's life, the mother's home full time. But at some point, I think it's, it's good for the woman to um, get back into the workforce because, you know, it's, it's, you know, let's say the kids in school full time and also, you know, she's at home. She's not really doing much. It's not good to be idle. I mean, it, 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 a woman's got to you know, go out into the world and do stuff and, and being idle can lead to depression and it can lead to divorce. You know, there was one person I quote in the book that um, a thousand years ago, he wrote, if a woman is idle, it leads to divorce. And I, I thought, wow, look at that. A thousand years ago, he wrote this. And, and, and it was like, well, it's, it's, it's human nature hasn't changed a person. It's not good for a person to be idle. Mm-hmm. And being a stay at home, you know, wife and mother works for certain people in their relationships and certain men are okay with that especially men that are more well-established who are you know owners of businesses or big heads at you know or ceos at you know uh big name companies but also i've realized that there also are a lot of women who want a man that is financially stable but yet they don't have themselves together in order to get the type of man that they ideally want. So do you also feel like, do you also see in when you're doing your coaching of, for other people that there is a lot of women who say, well, I want this, 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 and this in the man, but they don't feel like they have to bring anything to the table either. Well, that's a good question. Actually, I mainly coach men. So I know men describe <laughs> women like that. You know, it really depends. Some some men like the idea of uh, supporting a wife, mm-hmm. but, um, but 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 you know, some men like it. But then it comes to a point that it's really not healthy for her to be sitting at home, idle. I mean, and I'm not saying in every situation, but I've seen this too too often that you know the the woman is idle. The kids are all in school full time, and she's really just not doing anything. And and one thing I've seen, and uh, I don't know if you've seen this, is you know, women will get together. I've seen this, like my own eyes and ears. They get together in coffee shops in the, in the afternoon when their husbands are at work and they sit around talking, complaining about their husbands. And, you know, this one, they complain about this, they complain about that. And, and I tell men, like, if your wife does that, tell her tell her to find new friends. Because that's not healthy. That's not healthy. That, that, they start talking about, well, I should divorce my husband, you should divorce your husband, we'll get divorced together. Really, I've seen this. So... I mean, I'm not saying it happens all the time, but it's not good for a person to be idle. And and for that man who earns a good income, who thinks, oh, I, I could afford to have my wife stay home. You know, it's not just about the money. It's about she's got to be productively occupied. Mm-hmm. It's like two yentas at the coffee shop co-conspiring on their husbands. <laughs> you know, I've seen it lots of times. It's I remember one once with a friend I said let's go to the coffee shop and hear the women complain about their husbands and we went in 
and we mm -hmm. sat down. I'm not joking. Within like 20 seconds, the woman at the next table started complaining about her husband, and we just sat there and laughed and laughed. But it's sad. Like you have a husband; he works hard for you. He's been dedicated to you, loyal to you, all the you know for decades. Like don't 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 badmouth him, and don't listen to other women badmouth their husbands, and don't listen to other women badmouth your husband. Get other friends. Mm -hmm. So I know you authored this book, Being a Strong Man Every Woman Wants, a Timeless Wisdom. So, But also, do you have any plans on authoring any other books um, in regards to relationship advice? Because I know this is the only one that you have that's in regards to relationships, right? Right, right. Well, right now I'm, I'm just uh, working on this book and really you know, creating awareness of it because I think there's a lot of wisdom here that can help a lot of people, you know, help a lot of men you know, improve their relationships and save their marriage and avoid avoid divorce and avoid having children from a broken home. So I'm really trying to get the message out. Uh, one thing I, I wrote recently that I'm sending out for free if people email me, it's a 30-point action plan on how to implement these ideas that we're talking about, like questions to ask yourself. And by answering these questions, you develop an action plan. If you want to get it, you can email me uh, through my website, www.elliotcats.com. And Elliot is E-L-L-I-O-T-T-T-K-A-T-Z.com. Or they can email me at Elliot R. Katz, again, E-L-L-I-O-T-T-R-K-A-T-Z at AOL.com. Just send me an email. I'll be happy to send you a copy of, of this action plan. And if you want to contact me, you know, have questions like, you know, I, I often, <laughs> I, I shouldn't lie, I often get emails from people really all over the world who say, yeah, you know, my, I, what you say is good, but my situation is unique. <laughs> and it tells me a situation. I said, you know, this is a very common situation. Believe me, you're not unique at all. Mm -hmm. So I'm happy to help people who uh, want to write in and, and you want some suggestions and want some tips on how they can improve their relationships. Mm -hmm. So um, tell everybody where they can get the book. Is it um, on your website as well, or can they get it on Amazon, Apple Books? Where is it available? Okay, it's uh, called, <clears throat> excuse me, it's called Being the Strong Man a Woman Wants, Timeless Wisdom on Being a Man. And it's available on Amazon as a paperback. And it's also an ebook on Amazon Kindle and on Apple Books and on Kobo. And like I said, if people want to write to me at my email, I'd be happy to answer any questions. If they read the book and they have questions or comments, I welcome all feedback. I'm really on a mission to to help reduce, uh, to help men, you know, improve their relationships and save their marriages. Because, you know, a lot of men who are I've met a lot of men who are divorced, and they're good people. They're they're good people. They're not toxic. They're not abusive. They're not controlling. They're good people who thought they were being good husbands and good fathers. So my goal is to help them improve that their relationships and stay together. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining me today, Elliot. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for your insight and your wisdom. Okay, thank you, Kara. Great to be here. Absolutely. And for everybody else, you can follow me on Instagram at I am Kyra Mahoney. If you want to listen to this um, interview over again, you can do so at YouTube. Please like and subscribe. You can also get your Vibe Selection merchandise at www.teespring.com slash Vibe Selection. Or if you like any bonus or exclusive content, you can get that at www.patreon.com slash Vibe Selection. Once again, I am your host, Kyra, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of Vibe Selection. Take care, stay safe, and stay healthy out there. Bye. 
Thank you for joining Vibe Selection with Kyra. Come vibe out with us again next time and hear the latest on today's hot topics. Find us on Instagram at I am Kyra Mahoney or donate at www.patreon.com slash vibe selection.